Welcome to the Sports Study Podcast. We got a uh, we're gonna talk NBA and NFL coming up right here on Sports Study Podcast starting right now. Welcome to the Sports City Podcast. <clears throat> We've been away for a long time, but we are back. And look, I know I always say this, that I promised I was going to do more episodes, I'm going to be more consistent, and I've been lying. I've lied. I've flat out been lying about creating podcasts. And the thing is, a lot of things have been happening over here at Sports Steady. We have a, a large network with very little people and a bunch of people got snatched away and they started working in other places because honestly when we started up sports steady because we got bought out we got taken in by steady productions media steady and the sports department has been uh abandoned because of the whole politics right we have a politic division a news division and they've been getting all of the shine, the focus when it comes to uh, news and politics. So the sports has been on the back burner. Because let's face it, there's a lot of sports uh, podcasts I did, a lot of sports um, companies, and we have not been able to take off. So they decided to take away staff, take away people, plus not being paid in some cases. So people have left. They went to other sports uh, entertainment sites, and it's only a handful of us still around. That's why if you notice on our social media pages, it's been kind of ghost town. So I'm trying to re-energize this podcast the best way I could. And we don't have any bookers. We had a booker who was supposed to book people for on the podcast and on video formats. But we lost the booker. So now I'm either going to have to figure out a way to find some people to join or just go solo for the time being. Of course, I would love to have a co-host or at least someone who wants to have a podcast under the Sports Steady banner, but I'm not in charge of that and that's out of my, that's above my pay grade to a degree. So, uh, anyway, who cares about that, right? You guys don't care about that. Now, Let's get into the nitty gritty here. We're gonna, I got, we got some NFL. The playoffs, the full seasons happen. We haven't done a podcast since, right? Like the season in the beginning of the year. I think we did a couple in between, but so we're in the postseason. We're in the divisional round in the NFL. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Also, NBA, right? And there's some developments. An update in the NBA. One of the uh, more controversial uh, situations involving an NBA player and an underage girl, allegedly. That investigation has been closed. And um, we're going to talk about that a bit. There's mixed reactions across the league with the NBA fans and yada, yada, yada. And the only reason why I want to talk about that is because I think that after seeing what the NBA has been doing with other players that have been getting suspended or kicked out the uh sent away people are reacting differently because they see this player Josh Giddy and he's kind of like getting all free that's what they're saying now I don't know the full details of this situation I know a little bit and I didn't really think that the NBA had any kind of uh it's a tough spot for the NBA it's not a direct they had to, you know, they had to rely on outside authorities to investigate, and, and you need cooperations from the parents, and you need evidence, right? Taking a photo is not really proof to put somebody in a situation where you can just say, "Oh, you know what? You're banned or kicked out." So that's kind of uh, a, a slippery situation. Um, but people are reacting to it because they're saying that there is a double standard apparently in the sport that is majority black, by the way. But supposedly, even in a majority black sport, uh, the white athletes are 
getting special treatment. This is what the people are saying. I'm not saying that. But have there been inconsistencies with uh, investigations and punishments across the sports league? Would it be NFL or uh, or MLB too? Because you can add them. They've over uh, suspended guys who were white, right? I mean, they've kicked guys out. Remember the whole situation with uh, Trevor Bauer? And then you got the NFL with the kicker, with the white kicker, the Buffalo Bills. I think he's white, if I'm not mistaken, who got kicked out the league over a false allegation. So I don't think that uh, I don't think that this anybody's getting more treatment than others. I think that the situation is sometimes things don't guys are getting screwed. I mean, if anything, I think players are getting screwed across the board, right? Because let's face it, even if these allegations were true or false with Josh Giddy, he probably had to pay uh, some type of settlement, whether you know you believe he did it or not, or his age or whatever the case may be. I think he was in a tight spot, right? I mean, the girl allegedly or did or did not lie about her age or whatever the case may be. And I think the NBA probably looked, or the investigators probably thought, man, this is a tough break for the kid, a tough situation. Because he's a kid too at the time, right? He's not, I think a lot of people are reacting now to it because he is older. So they, they're reacting to it like it just happened yesterday or last week. But that's not the case. And when you deal with social media, people love to conflict facts and with reality. Uh, so that's, you know, that's how you get those reactions. But those kind of reactions now, social media can literally ruin your career if the, if, uh, if the people are on a different side of or against you. So Giddy, for some reason, he... He's, he's, you know, he's going to get off, at least for now. So, uh, but let's start off with the NFL. We got the playoffs, and a lot of things happened since the last time we were here on the podcast. Patriots fired, or not fired, parted ways with Bill Belichick, who was the head coach for the team for about 24 years or so, and built the dynasty with him, Tom Brady, Robert Kraft, and they immediately found their replacement in Gerard Mayo. Now, I did a video on Sports Study TV talking about the Gerard Mayo hiring at the time, and this was before he had the press conference. And I thought that Mayo may be in a position where he's taking over a, t a franchise where he may be set up to fail. And I got a little bit of pushback, right? People said, oh, you know, Kraft is going to give him a long time, and... He's going to do this. He's a great guy. Like It's always about he's a great guy, right? I'm pretty sure a lot of guys in the NFL are great guys. But I wasn't talking about his character. I was talking about the position he's going to be in because Kraft is going to want to win now, right? Missing the playoffs a few years in a row, even though he's replaced Bill, you would think in hindsight the logical thing would be to give Mayo time to improve, but how patient will Robert Kraft be? And I don't think he's going to be very patient. And that's why I said that the pay, if I'm Mayo, I'm trying to get the star receiver, and then I'm trying to get a veteran QB, maybe find a quarterback in the later rounds to develop and sit behind the starting QB, the veteran QB. Because you can bring up guys like Lamar Jackson and all these players, but these guys, Patrick Mahomes even sat behind Alex Smith, who was a veteran before he became uh, Alex uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? C.J. Stroud has defied odds, of course. C.J. Stroud for the Houston Texans, who have been a, has been an excellent rookie and has the Texans in the playoffs and they won their game. But that's how many C.J. Strouds? Just look at how many top quarterbacks in the last 20 years have uh, been good right away. And it doesn't matter if... Um, if Mayo drafts any one of those top quarterbacks and it takes him three, four years to become great, he's not going to be around to see the benefits of that. The likelihood of that happening is going to be slim to none, right? He's not going to get the Mike Tomlin treatment, especially if the Patriots struggle. At least with Tomlin, the, the Steelers have a winning record every year. So he's been able, he's had the cushion, you know, because they've been winning 
if the Patriots come back next year with the rookie quarterback and they win five games, six games, they don't make the playoffs. They they struggle against Miami, Buffalo, Jets, right? The Jets with Aaron Rodgers coming back, they're going to be better. They already have a good defense. The uh, Bills are, are, are still there. They're not Super Bowl contenders, but they're they're going to be good enough. Miami has a good offense. And so Robert Kraft is going to sit there and see the Patriots lose going two and five, two and four in the division, one and five potentially, get beat by my, uh, Buffalo, get beat by Miami, get beat by the Jets. And he's going to say, man, I can't keep watching this. Then you're going to hear rumblings of him being on the hot seat, especially being that Mayo has no experience coaching outside of a coordinator. I mean, not even coordinator. He was a a positions coach. So he hasn't even been a coordinator. So the rumblings are going to come quick because he, when you have very small experience and you struggle, they're going to say, is Mayo the guy? And and think about this. If the Patriots often struggle again next year, after being criticized this year for not having a good offense and then you got rid of the greatest coach ever because he was a defensive-minded guy, you replaced him with a defensive-minded guy, it is going to be very hard for Mayo to survive more than one or two years, especially if he gets the wrong QB. The safest pick would be the veteran quarterback. Kind of do it how, do it like Andy Reid did. Remember, when Andy Reid took over Kansas City, Andy Reid, you know, he outstayed his welcome in Philly, you know, he goes to Kansas City. He's trying to build that thing back up. He gets Mahomes late, but he had a veteran QB, Alex Smith, who was serviceable. And when Mahomes was ready to go, Mahomes got the keys to the castle. I think the same scenario needs to happen with uh, with New England. You get the veteran QB for a year or two. You, be, you still got the defense. You're a defensive guy, so you're probably always going to have a decent defense. You make sure you get an offensive guy out there that can work with the vet- veteran. You 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 uh you develop the rookie quarterback and don't rush the rookie quarterback because I think if if Caleb Williams, Drake May, I like Drake May a bit, but if they have to rush in and be the franchise savior in year one, it's just not going to pan out good. Uh, it really it's really not. You don't want to put that pressure on your rookie QB. I say honestly, here's my hot take on it, and I. I know during my video I said that they should draft Jaden Daniels, but since then, uh, J.J., the Michigan quarterback, has declared for the draft. I say they could probably find get him in the fourth round somewhere because he's not going to go top first round or even second round. He'll probably go somewhere in third or fourth round. I say Patriots snag him at third round. You get a veteran QB. You sit the QB. You sit the rookie quarterback. You had the veteran start. You know, it's only a year or two, and you have J.J., I think it's J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy or something like that. You have him sitting there waiting and learning, and then he takes over in two years. And by then, you have Marvin Harrison Jr. would be a stud receiver. He'll be good in probably year one, year two. I mean, that is the dream scenario. Now, I know they say, oh, you go get the quarterback, the, the young QB in Williams or May or Daniels and then you draft, then you sign T. Higgins. I don't know about that because, first of all, T. Higgins is a veteran receiver. We don't know how good he's going to be. Um, and he's still got receivers on the roster that potentially could be, if they're healthy, Bourne, uh, Parker, and these guys probably could still be solid. If with a veteran QB, you probably don't need to go out and spend money because you're going to have to spend to get Higgins. Higgins is not coming to New England um, unless you overpay for him. That's the problem I'm going to have with that. I don't have a problem overpaying for the quarterback, but if you're going to overpay for a T. Higgins, who's kind of like a number two receiver, there's no upside there. There's more upside with Marvin Harrison Jr. has more upside than T. Higgins because Harrison Jr. will be younger, it'll be cheaper. You know? I don't think going out and spending a large percentage of money on Higgins because Higgins is not coming to – guys are not coming to New England. I think a lot of the Patriot fans, 
think that guys are just going to come to New England because it's New England. Belichick is gone. Brady's not there. Nobody's coming to New England unless you overpay. So you're going to have to overpay for Higgins. You're really going to overpay for T. Higgins when you already have a room full of receivers that are already being overpaid? Then you're going to have to move somebody or move them or cut them and eat the money. I say you go Harrison Jr., you get the you get you beef up the offensive line, you protect the veteran quarterback, and you draft a rookie quarterback later in the fourth round and develop him. That's what you do. You know? And worst case scenario, if you can't get a rookie quarterback, you bring back um you still got Zappy or who could probably uh improve or get better. Or or Mac Jones still, unless you get rid of Mac. At least you still have one or two guys who who still play quarterback. The offense should get better next year with Marvin Harrison Jr. You can't miss out on that guy. That's like drafting Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson. I mean, these are you, when you get these receivers that can't miss, you can't pass them up. You just can't. So I think that's what they got to do. Now, speaking of personnel, we know Gerard Mayo, former. Patriot linebacker, he was a position coach for the last four years, four or five years or so. His press conference is now the story in New England. Now, Gerard Mayo says some things that are rubbing people the wrong way. And the, the Patriots introduced him in a press conference. Robert Kraft was there and... Gerard Mayo, who who was asked who was asked about does he um, he lets NFL players know? Okay, this is a um, this is a tweet that I seen. We're gonna play the video right here. Gerard Mayo talked about race and all that stuff like that. So let's listen to Gerard Mayo as I play this because it's now a big big deal around the NFL. He's the first black coach in for the Patriots. Blah blah blah. So. Uh, we're going to play Gerard Mayo, then we're going to play a little bit of reactions from other people across the league. But here's Gerard Mayo first. I do see color because I believe if you don't see color, you can't see racism. And whatever, whatever happens, black, white, disabled person, I've always, even someone with disabilities, I always, uh, you know, for the most part, people are like, you know, don't, you know when they're young, they, they kind of make the spot hot. Younger people know what that means. But what I would say is, like, no, I want you to be able to go up to those people and really understand those people. So it goes back to whatever it is, black, white, yellow, it really doesn't matter, but it does matter so we can try to fix a problem that we all know we have. I do see... All right, so, Gerard Mayo says in so many words that there's a racism problem and he said he sees color and people are upset about that because they feel like... You should be colorblind. You shouldn't be seeing color. That's the first step of being racist is seeing someone, someone's color and making judgment. So, of course, a lot of people were pissed off about it. The right-wing pundits jumped on it really quick. Charlie Kirk said, New England Patriots head coach Gerard Mayo lets white NFL players know they should avoid playing for him. That's what Charlie Kirk said. Um... And Charlie Kirk is a uh, right-wing um, influencer. So, you know, he had to make sure he had his two cents in there. Uh, here's uh, reactions. Keith Boykin, who... Who is Keith Boykin? Keith Boykin is... Um, he's a, a left-wing black guy. I think he's on CNN or something like that. He says... Gerard Mayo is right about this because we all see color. Anyone who claims they don't see color is a liar. White people based on entire society on white color privilege for centuries and then demanded everyone close their eyes and pretend to be colorblind. That's what Keith Boykin said. Uh, who else? Outkick says... Um, Patriots, use, uh, Patriots new head coach Gerard Mayo used his introductory press conference to spout woke nonsense and the Patriots cannot allow this to become a habit. That's Outkick's response. Dick Adams 
Nick Adams. Everybody knows Nick Adams. Nick Adams, the Australian guy who's now American citizen. He's a right wing guy. He says Jamar Gerard Mayo is a racist and will be actively rooting against him as a head coach. Stu Peters, another right wing pundit, said Patriots head coach and diversity hire Gerard Mayo insinuates that he will combat racism by not playing white guys. I don't think he said that. Stu Peters, come on now. <laughs> Stu Peters had he's always going the extreme. That's not what Gerard Mayo said. Oh, God. But uh, another person said, the race card always trumps ownership and accountability. NFL is affirmative action mixed with DEI. That's a fact. Anyone else tired of this bullshit? That's what a random user on X said. Genuine question. This is from Savage Sports. Why are people so upset by Gerard Mayo's statement on racism? You just want him to shut up and dribble? Huh? Okay. Don Lemon, Don Lemon, former CNN anchor Don Lemon, who's now starting, I believe he's going to start his own network soon. He says, Gerard Mayo's so-called colorblindness, I do see color. If you don't see color, you can't see racism. And so that, so pretty much everyone's reacting to it in different ways, right, left, center. Um, I, I Honestly, here's the funny part about it. I think that there is a look. I think that I don't know why Gerard brought that up because the clips that are going around is basically uh, cut starts off from him like answering it. I don't know if he was given a question about racism, but we do. We have seen uh, NFL coaches respond to racist questions before or ra- questions about racism before, and um, one in particular was. Uh, Uh, let me see. Remember Todd Bowles. If you remember, Todd Bowles a few years back, or last year may- maybe, was asked the question about uh, about uh, let me see if I can find it because there's a bunch of them. Okay, here's the one where he was because uh, he was facing Mike Tomlin and they were saying how two black coaches going against each other. Some reporter you know, b- tried to race bait him essentially, and this is Todd Bowles' response from a few years ago. Uh, you, you, and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship is like with them, and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of. Very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal as far as us being coaching against each other. I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, it means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. So there, that was uh, Todd Bowles, the head coach for the Tampa Bay Bucks. And this, he said that that was like I think that was last season, I believe, or maybe two years ago. And so, so the two different responses there between Todd Bowles and. Gerard Mayo, who's now the new head coach of the New England Patriots. Now, Tom Bowles' response was probably the best response you can get because we're talking about football, right? And we know a couple years ago how forceful the social justice stuff was, and we thought it kind of died down a bit after last season. But now, so to get a question and for Mayo to have to go into detail like that um, is kind of... uh, Wild, so he's like, yeah, I see color, and and and, and I, I'm gonna defend Mayo just a little bit here because now people are like, oh, he's a DEI hire or all this other stuff, and they're really now attacking his credentials. Just 48 hours ago, before the press conference, they thought he was a good fit. He was with the team. Everyone was on his side, saying this was a good move. 
Now, I, I still think from a personnel standpoint, from like moving forward, and I didn't think it was a great fit, but it had nothing to do with his answer on, on uh, race. But now that's extra fuel for people to, uh, to go after him. And I think that's going to be kind of unfair to him because now the Patriots struggle. They're going to say, well, look at this DEI guy got hired and he, he wasn't good. And he should have, uh, you know, he's he's woke and blah, blah, blah. So now I think that's going to be in the, forf- in the forefront of him if he struggles. At the, You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't, the reason why I don't think his experience is that big of a deal to me, because like I say, he was a coach. He wasn't a coordinator, but he was the coach on the defense, the side of the ball for four or five years under the greatest coach of all time. And Bill Belichick, so I mean, that is uh, enough right there. And I don't think. And plus, didn't Jeff Saturday get hired without any coaching experience? I mean, he wasn't even a coordinator or even a coach. He just pretty much got the job. So I don't think I I, I don't I don't think the male experience as a coach uh, is that big of a deal. But also, I don't think New England's doing Mayo any favors here, even when they. When they did the uh, on their Twitter page, when they uh, put out the press release announcing him as coach, they had like this little picture of him, of all his accomplishments, and they basically just showed his playing career, which drew criticism and and um, and uh, and attack modes from people who may not be Patriot fans or understand that Mayo was on the roster. He was a coach under Bill Belichick learning from the greatest of all time. But the Patriots didn't even mention that he was a coach. They just said he was an all-pro and this, that, and third, kind of making his accomplishments about him as a player. And then people said, oh, so he's just a pro bowler. That's it. And they attacked him. And so I think the Patriots are not doing this guy any favors off the top. And to me, I think that, and and this goes back to what I believe, honestly, from the beginning. I don't think that um, the Patriots really wanted to hire Gerard Mayo. I think they only did it because they, they, they put it in the contract, they made a deal with him, and they didn't really think Bill would be gone this year. They were hoping that maybe at some point, uh, a couple more years down the line, maybe, that uh, that Bill would uh leave, but it happened sooner than later, and then they had to stick to their guns on the Mayo situation because it was like, well, if we don't give him the job, then he might sue us or he may uh, and that's a big shit storm shit storm in itself, right? Oh, look at the black coach was promised a gig and then he didn't get it, they ended up giving it to another white guy. So Patriots were were in the, were stuck in a in a spot. They were stuck. They're like, damn, we gotta give this guy the job. We have no choice because we did promise him. And um, so I, I think they second guessed, especially when they seen that Harbaugh might be available and Vrabel was available. I, I think they would have much rather had one of those two guys. This is just my assessment. I don't know. I don't have any inside information. But now they had they pretty much stuck with him, and they're gonna get rid of him as soon as possible. I'm, t- I'm telling you. He is not going, I would bet my lunch money that he lasts no longer than two years. I'll be shocked if he make it. The only way he makes it past two years is if the Patriots either make the playoffs or something like they have to make the playoffs and have and probably win a playoff game and show like promising improvement on the offensive side of the ball, especially. And um, if they don't, he's on a hot seat after year one. So, I'm telling you, and it's gonna even look it's gonna look even worse if Bill coaches this year and actually is successful. Could you imagine? Remember when Bill, the things started going downhill for Bill, like the rumbling started happening when Tom Brady left to Tampa and won a Super Bowl. That's when the rumbling started coming in. Oh, okay, he did it without Bill. It was all Brady. What's gonna happen if Bill wins? takes over a new team, wins 10, 11 games in the playoffs, competing for a Super Bowl in year one, while Mayo has a team hovering around 500. The rumblings are going to start. So 
I'm just saying. But back to the press conference. I mean, I think what I I don't I like some of the responses. I don't think Gerard Mayo was saying that he's going to play. He doesn't want white players. I don't think he said that. But it is an easy dunk because we're in a time now where the culture war is the politics, the all the stuff is in sports, and it's easy now to dunk on a guy. It's easy. It's easy now. I mean, he, it's like low-hanging fruit for the conservative audience to find a reason to crap on the NFL. And with these influencers who are getting paid per clicks now, everything is a soundbite, a hot take, a hot tweet, like DEI hire. Like, I don't... I don't think Gerard May was in DEI higher. But that's what people are going to say. That's what they believe. They're entitled to their opinion. Um, the guy's been in football for all his whole life. They didn't just find the guy off the side of the curve and say, hey, you want to be a new Patriots coach? You know, this this stuff was in was in place. But uh, we'll see how he does. It's, it's going to be about on the field. Can he get wins? If he can get wins... You could be D'Amico Ryan, right? With D'Amico, what's his name? D'Amico Ryan up in uh, Houston. If he can do the job he did, he'll be good. If he can't, then he'll be out. I think that's what it comes down to, guys. Wins and losses. Get results. I don't think it matters what color you are. But fans will make it about that because Mayo made it about it. Mayo, Mayo has opened himself up and has put a target on his back. And we'll see if he can deliver. Uh, so, um, Todd Bowles, speaking of Todd Bowles, we gave the excellent answer a year ago, too. He's back again with another reporter, a female reporter. Now, Tampa's going to head out to Detroit, I believe, to face the Lions in the playoff game and the divisional round, I believe. And Todd Bowles was asked by a reporter about. Tampa facing Detroit temperatures and how it would affect the team in the game. So let's uh, let's listen to that. Coach, you, you. Uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't um, No, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing, so we'll be okay. And that's that. So Mike uh, Todd Bowles, female reporter, you know, if she's getting crushed online, no one knows her name. They're kind of keeping it under wraps. As of this episode, we don't know. But uh, she's getting destroyed on the internet because people say, oh, she's dumb, blah, blah, blah. You know, Detroit has a dome. And <laughs> I think it's funny. But, uh Yeah. So, and to correct myself earlier, I said D'Amico Ryan is D'Amico Ryan's with S at the end. Houston uh, Texans head coach, D'Amico Ryan's. But, uh, yeah. So, that's that's where we're at, guys. I mean, NFL, need, they need to do something about this race stuff. They got to stop it. Stop the race baiting questions. These reporters, they throw them in the press room, try to get these players to... Uh, give comments and say stuff. And the NFL is on a wild streak. We got another NFL uh, controversy potentially here and that has made the rounds of the NBC. And as we look, now the Houston Texans, we talked about them winning the playoff game, and there was an edit that NBC did on C.J. Stroud, who thanked Jesus Christ for the victory in the first round of playoffs. Now, we have a split of two clips here we're going to play back-to-back of C.J. Stroud. Of the uh, edited version, it's going to be the first clip we're going to hear, and then that's the version that they posted on social media. But the live TV 
uh, version is the full version of what he said. So let's uh, play that. Here we go. In your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you, what does this moment mean? I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been. But so that was the first part. It was like a few seconds long, and then they clipped it. Now, if you notice, in that first clip, after she asked him, asked, asked him the question, they cut out the part where he said, I want to thank Jesus Christ, because that's what he said first. That was his first response. So here's the original, the live TV version. First and foremost, I just want to give all glory and praise my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's been amazing. Being See? So they cut that first part out when they re-uploaded the clip to social media. They didn't want to replay him saying his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because they don't want NFL players, they don't want leaders, because CJ Stroud is going to be... He's going to be very popular. They want to play all game. He's a rookie in the NFL. And this is why they, uh, they're trying to make sure these guys are not seen as this positive, focused-type individual. Now, there's many guys across the league that's like this, right? C.J. Stroud, uh, I believe Lamar Jackson to a degree, if I'm not mistaken, Jalen Hurts from the Philadelphia Eagles and, of course, many other quarterbacks across the league. And C.J. Stroud is a young kid. And other kids look up to that. They don't want kids worshiping Jesus. That's my take on it. That's what I believe. I don't know. I could be wrong. But it seems like the sports world, they are so quickly to get rid of, you can't say Jesus, you can't worship God, but then they want you to worship Satan stuff like uh, degenerate behavior, bad music, and race baiting. So the NFL and sports across is kind of like, what are you doing? Like, let this guy, why do you have to blank it out? Do they have a contract? Is it like they're not allowed to say it because of whatever? Like, what was NBC's point of that? I don't know. But that's a little controversy that, you know, went around for a day or so. It'll be out of the news in <clears throat> no time. But that's that. Now, we did say, I did say there was playoff games, right? Coming up this weekend. And we're going to have an official playoff. Uh, Gridiron, go to Gridiron Steady on X, and we will have our uh, predictions, our games, our picks up there for this divisional round. And real quick, I will go over it. I'm not going to make my picks here on the podcast because I'm going to do them on Gridiron Steady. But I just want to talk about it, you know, preview it, see what we could expect. Maybe we'll talk about it just briefly as we got a few more minutes here before we get out of here. Now, um, <clears throat> my tablet. I did, oh, uh, shit, where is it? Oops, I'm not even supposed to be cursing. All right, so Texans and Ravens should be a good one. That uh, Ravens are nine-point favorites in this game, at least as of right now. So if you're heading out to the books as of today's podcast, it's nine points. It could go up. It could be down by the time that game is. Uh, the game kicks off. The game will be on ESPN. And C.J. Stroud versus Lamar Jackson. That's going to be the game, the big game right there. And I think it's going to be a good game. I think the game is going to be a lot closer than Vegas thinks. Um uh, and Houston can very well win this game. I mean, come on. But they do got a nasty defense. It, uh, the Ravens. They have a, oh, that defense is like ridiculous. But uh, I think people are going to be highly surprised about what happens in that game. Now, either way, I'm going Houston because plus nine is a lot of points. I think Houston could keep up offensively. I mean, C.J. Stroud, this kid can fly it out, throw the ball. He's going to put up some yards. So that's going to be a good one. And the next the divisional rounds in the NFC, you got the Packers and headed out to San Francisco, Santa Clara, to take on the 49ers. And then you got Tampa Bay head to Detroit in the Dome. By the way, guys, in the Dome. Not going to be outside playing. <laughs> but uh, so those two games will be on the following day. And then on the big game, AFC divisional game, up in 
Orchard Park, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And could this be it for Patrick Mahomes? Because people are saying that if Mahomes wins another Super Bowl, they're, they're trying to say the dynasty, the, the Chiefs are the modern day or today's New England Patriots, which is completely laughable to say. But I think that this game should be good. Um, Buffalo's window's closing. This is their shot. They have to beat Kansas City. I don't think they beat Kansas City in the playoffs yet. I mean, even Joe Burrow beat Kansas City before. Uh, and I think Burrow comes back strong next year. I think Herbert comes back strong. I think Trevor Lawrence should come back strong. The, the clock is ticking on Josh Allen for sure. He His window is closing. Uh, Mahomes' window is still open because he's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are a pretty good franchise. But... There's not going to be many Super Bowl windows there left for Patrick Mahomes to even get close to Tom Brady. That's why I think it's laughable that people think, oh, Mahomes is going to catch Brady. He's going to be great. I think they had a stat out that Mahomes and the Chiefs can win like 10, 11 games, 12 games for the next like 10 years, and they still wouldn't catch Brady or something like that. It's just crazy how dominant Tom Brady was. Like you're not catching the guy, okay? But, uh. So that game should be good as well. So those are the four division games that are coming up on um, this weekend. So we'll look forward to that, of course. And um, I think we're going to wrap this podcast up. I know I was going to talk a little bit of NBA, and I think I'm going to save that, probably do a video on it. Because I, I, some, some stuff is just kind of irking, not irking me, but it's kind of like laughable how Everyone in the basketball world is like drooling and slobbing over Bronny James and his performances. And and LeBron is performing in front of the camera. He did some crazy thing, like some weird attention-seeking during a press conference. He's like yelling at the TV, trying to pretend, oh, look at me, I'm a great father. And, and look what I'm doing here. And all the cameras are surrounding him and he's performing. Because that's what he does. He's a performer. He's a flopper. And everyone's taking that as, oh, look, LeBron, he's a great father. Because, like, that's not that does not make you a great father, okay? Like, that's the, like, the bar is so low to be a great father in America. It's just like, you don't need to be in front of a camera to prove you're a great father. Great fathers and just great fathers. But but and then the, the LeBron accounts, these... Uh, puppet accounts that are that are out there trying to beef up Bronny and LeBron's legacy, they're pointing out, oh, look how great Bronny was. I mean, Bronny James is not an NBA player right now. He's just not. And it's nothing wrong with saying that. Right? But I blame LeBron because LeBron, remember LeBron said that Bronny James could play for the Lakers right now. So LeBron's putting targets on Bronny's back. He's He made these claims and this is after Bronny came back from his episode of uh when he passed out on the court so this is not like pre-pass out because people always say oh of course he's not he, he did he's doing pretty well considering he had he had almost died or whatever happened to him and I'm like well LeBron said recently that he could play for the Lakers now so LeBron's indicating that Bronny's completely fine and is good enough but he's not really showing that on the college level. It just got blown out the other night by like 15. He's playing 30 minutes. He's get, he's turning the ball over, uh, and he's playing guard. He's not a good guard. If you're not if you if you're a terrible guard in college, guard play. If you turn the ball over in college, what do things are gonna happen on the NBA level? Right? He's shooting. He's going like five for 14. Yeah, he scored 11 points, taking 14 shots. That's not efficiency in the NBA. You need to be way more efficient to see minutes on the floor in the NBA. Um, and look, it's still early, but it's nothing wrong with saying that he's not ready for the big. He's a freshman in college. But if you say that, you're like, oh, you're hating on LeBron. You're hating on him. Why are you hating on his son? Uh-huh-huh. Why? Because we're pointing out the obvious? Come on. Why, why are you guys in a rush? To, to make this guy the next great guy. Let him develop. 
let him play. Don't rush him to the NBA because you want to see him play with LeBron. Like, you're so selfish that you want him to rush to the league to where he may not be ready just so he can play a couple years with LeBron and end up out the league in five years because he won't be good enough. No, let the guy play. He should stay in school for two, three years, develop his game, make sure his body's right, he's got his dad, and then go to the league. If he makes it with LeBron, fine. If he doesn't, it shouldn't be a big deal. Honestly, it shouldn't, but, you know, these people are crazy. But, uh, so that was my brief little rant there. But I think that, um... LeBron's probably should, LeBron should retire. He, he should. He's he's becoming a drama queen across the NBA. He's really not. And he's the reason why he's sticking around long enough is because the NBA is just unwatchable. And that's the thing. And I'll do a future episode about this because I've always talked about this. He's he's a few points away from I think he's like hundreds, a couple hundred points, five hundred points away from forty thousand. And once he hits that mark. People are going to think that that makes him the GOAT. And I'm going to do an episode on why we need to stop the LeBron-Jordan comparisons. And now people are throwing Kobe in there somehow. And Kobe also not in that conversation. And I know why they throw Kobe in there because they're trying to save Kobe's... uh, They're trying to enter Kobe into the dynamic because they're saying, well, LeBron's not better than Kobe so because everyone keeps putting LeBron with Jordan. Yeah, we know LeBron. We know Kobe's not... Because they said Kobe's the closest to Jordan. So if that's the case, in every conversation you're having with LeBron versus Michael, you have to somehow put Kobe in there because Kobe's closer to Jordan, which is complete laughable. Yeah, the guy copied Michael, but he's not close to Michael. He's just not. I, I would make the case that, in my opinion, Kobe might not even be He's he's hovering that top ten area, if that. But um, LeBron is not top five. I would put LeBron in between five and ten range. He's not top five to me. He's not. I would not take him over Larry Bird. Larry Bird might be the most at this point now. The one of the most underrated players in NBA history, which is crazy because five years ago we wouldn't have said that. Uh, guys throw out underrated players, underrated players, but let's just be honest. How often do you hear people mention Larry Bird amongst the all-time greats? Unless we don't, unless you're around like Boston fans or Celtic fans and and like stuff like that, or if they're doing a special on like old school players. But the average basketball conversation today that talks about all-time great players, no one's talking about Larry Bird, which is completely ridiculous. Because Larry Bird was 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 arguably the best player or at least one or two for the majority of his career career during his time in arguably one of the better eras in NBA history. I mean, come on. But Larry Bird is flat out disrespected. Flat out disrespected because he's white and he's slow and unathletic. That's what they say. Even though I think Bird today would, would probably average 50. He averaged a 50-point triple-double today, easily. He'll be a, a, a much more, uh, he'll be a better version of Jokic. I mean, look what Jokic is doing. He'll be a better version of that, a better because he was better defensively than Jokic. He's a better shooter than Jokic. He would be, he would pretty much be a 6'9 Jokic, but with outside range, with the green light to launch him up. I mean, they're not playing defense. Bird probably gets about seven, five, seven. He gets about open threes. He probably wouldn't. His back would never hurt because remember, Bird's back hurt it because of all the physical play. If he plays today, he's, he's getting another five years easy. He plays into his, until he's efficient easily until his late thirties, easily, because he would just be able to just shoot threes and pass and do all the, all the fundamentals. That you could do today with no problem, it'd be Jokic. It'd be Jokic with better. And we know Jokic is MVP. He's racking up MVPs in this era. This is the worst ever in league history. And I don't know why guys don't understand that. This is the worst ever in league history. This, look, if, you're, if you're spending hundreds of dollars 
to go to an NBA game today. You're being scammed. Because even when I switch on and off from games from time to time, it's just a three-point shootout. Everybody's at the top of the perimeter, around the perimeter, waiting for a penetration kick out, shooting the three. Everybody, they touch the ball within five seconds, they launch the three. And is it these guys' fault? Because I think that that's part of the game plan, that that's part of the way the league is operating now. Right, some players came out and talked about it, and on 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 podcasts, they come out and said, "Hey, you know, guys who are like D and three guys, or guys who were not like who who had good mid range games, but they were forced out of the league earlier because they didn't have great long range game. You need to be a great long three point shooter to see minutes in the NBA. Forget about defense. Forget about mid range. You better long. You better be a long range shooter. That's what we want. We want you to." We give the ball to a star player. It, this is if you're a role player. Now, if you're a star player, yeah, you can have a mid-range jumper and be okay. But if you're a role player or a third, fourth option, your sole job, you better either get hustle points or you better be a three-point knockdown, three-point shooter, or you're not getting on the floor because you're not going to have the ball in your hands anyway. The star player is going to have the ball most of the time. And if you're a guard and you're not the star player, you better know how to shoot. That's it. That's all you gotta do. Shoot. You don't. Even, you don't need to play defense. Just play enough D. You know, to not let your guy. You know, get the bucket at the end. But the star players are getting all the shine. The role players hit the three. That's all you gotta do. And that's the NBA today. It's a three-point shootout. I'm turning on the game. I'm seeing four guys surrounded the three-point line. That's it. They're just out there waiting. And you see guys dribbling and doing this. They're traveling. They're walking. Every other possession, guys are taking three. I think traveling out in the NBA is, is like anything more than four steps. You could do three steps. You could even do four and get away with it. And it's just wild that people are paying all this money to go to these games to get garbage product. It's a garbage product. It really is. It is a terrible, terrible product across the board. Sports Study Podcast is sponsored by nobody. We're on social media at Sports Study on Twitter X. You can find us on um, Facebook at Sports Study as well. So that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode of the Sports Study Podcast. And uh, look, guys. Enjoy, enjoy the enjoy the sports because it's about to be over. <laughs> the world's going to end soon, and we're all on borrowed time. Okay, that's just the truth. We're on fucking borrowed time. So, have a good weekend, guys. I will talk to you guys next week. Sports Steady Sports Page, run by sports fans.